Hey everybody, welcome to another Ithaca Bound podcast episode. I'm your host, Andrew Schiestel, joining the show today from Tunisia. And this is the podcast where we explore history and mythology in the Mediterranean basin. Today, Dr. Adam Schwartz joins the show again on May 7th, 2021. Dr. Schwartz joined the show and we had a conversation about Greek hoplites. Today, Dr. Schwartz is back on the show and we're going to speak about what scholars know about early Greek literacy. Dr. Schwartz is Associate Professor at the University of Copenhagen, based in Denmark. He specializes in Greek history, especially the Archaic and Classical periods. He has written numerous publications over his career, including authoring the book, Reinstating the Hoplite, Arms, Armor and Phalanx Fighting in Archaic and Classical Greece, which was published by Franz Steiner Verlag. And Dr. Schwartz joins the show today from Copenhagen. Welcome back on the show, Adam. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for having me. So to create sufficient background and context for the conversation, uh, Adam, what is, how do you define literacy um, for this conversation that we're speaking about today? Wow, that's, that's, that's a tough question to elude, really, <laughs> because it's, a, it's, a, it's quite a, a difficult concept to define, really. Um, there may be, there may be several levels of literacy um, uh, determined by, by what your needs are, what, what you need to be able to, to read and write. And the lowest levels are quite rudimentary. Um, some people may only know how to write the name, for example. And uh, this is a sort of rudimentary literacy, which, which does exist, but does not really bear comparison to, to, to full literacy, like, like the ones that, uh, that we in the, in the modern world Possess and, and, and use all the time, so um, it's 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 rather a, a difficult question. But um, one useful definition, at least, is 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 any degree of, of, of literacy uh, compared to to non literacy, um, which was see the situation in, in Greece until uh, well uh, after the collapse of the Mycenaean societies in the thirteenth uh, century before Christ, and until the advent of the, the uh, alphabet. So. Um, before the alphabet arrived, there were centuries in Greek, which we usually refer to as the Dark Ages, precisely because um, there was no, by no means less sunlight or anything, but, but we are more or less in the dark as to what happened with that because of the complete absence of written sources. So, um, so before that time, um, Greeks had no concept of, of, of reading or writing, or at least had no way of, of doing so. One of the things you said near the end of your response was reading and writing. So, can we? Uh, so, when it comes to this con- this conversation, and we're speaking about early Greek literacy, is it? Are we? Are we? Are we looking for in the conversation um, someone um, who who can read and write? It's and it sounds like based on your response, there's varying degrees. But is that our is that our cue to say that that is that is literacy? Yes, I would, I would certainly say so. That's that's uh, that's a full degree of literacy. But but I I would assume that, that most people who can write can also read while the uh, while the, the the other way around is not necessary really. But um, but but certainly being able to, to, to read and write is can constitutes a comparatively full of a degree of, of, of literacy. Yes. You consider. Um, you consider verbal communication 
part of this conversation today when we're speaking about early Greek literacy? Yes. Okay. Do you, do you consider a verbal communication? So if, if people were having conversations using, using language, is that part of the conversation when we're exploring early Greek literacy or is it, or is it circumscribed to reading and writing? I, I think we'd have to define it for the present purposes as reading and writing. Um, um, the, the concept of, 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 of literacy may paradoxically not be necessary for literature, for example, because we have, um, we have evidence of a very rich oral tradition. The Homeric poems uh, emerged from a very long oral tradition, which at least at some point uh, did not know of reading and writing. Um, but I, I do believe that that, that, uh, that literacy requires reading and writing. So, so oral communication um, does not necessarily entail literacy, if that's what you're driving at. That is, yeah, and it helps get some of the background stuff out 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 of the way, so that we can kind of zoom in. So, my understanding is um, there's there's oral uh, communi communication. Yes. It's it's b believed or known. And then literacy uh, would have come afterwards. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So what's what's known about how literacy arrived or manifested in Greece? Well, again, this is uh, a very long time ago, and, and for obvious reasons, there are no uh, written sources about this um, directly. Uh, Contemporary, telling us how it how it went down, but um, the Greeks had their own traditions in the in in, in the uh, the mists of, of prehistory or, or mythology or what have you. So one figure who keeps emerging in in, uh, in the Greek lore is, is that of Cadmus, who uh, was uh, by by their reckoning a Phoenician prince who uh, founded Thebes in in, uh, in Greece, and who they normally credit with uh, inventing the alphabet and, and writing. He uh, is, in fact, according to Herodotus, who is one of those who tell the tale, is the reason that the letters were originally called uh, Phoenician, Phoenician signs for Ikea Grammata, which seems to have been the normal uh, expression at one point. Um, so so there's, a, there's a tradition here that, that, um, that the, 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 the alphabet writing, the art writing, came from Phoenicia. Um, whether or not we should believe that, that a named person called Cadmus in uh, brought the alphabet to Greece is of course less certain, but um, but there is some basis to the claim that that the uh, the Greeks took their uh, writing system from the Phoenicians. Can can you expand on that point because it's an important point, Adam? Absolutely. Yeah. What yes. about what about um, the about this the 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 the, the, the idea that the alphabet was in the greek alphabet was influenced by the phoenicians can you expand on the historicity of that absolutely well um first of all there's uh, there's plenty of evidence that greeks and phoenicians were in contact with each other throughout the mediterranean because both peoples were um were active traders and then plied the, the mediterranean um, and, and they obviously came to many of the same ports and uh, trade stations. And there they were met again, met each other time and again. And in fact, there are some places where there are archaeological signs of cohabitation. So they uh, they knew each other well. And uh, 
and there is also some uh, evidence that what eventually developed into the fully fledged Greek alphabet was uh, taken from the Phoenicians. For example, um, the, uh, the sequence of the letters, which has been well as preserved to this day in the, uh, the Latin alphabet, really, is in fact uh, something that the Greeks took over from the Phoenicians. The, uh, the sequence and the many of the letter names, because while Greek letter names are fairly well known, um, such as Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, and all that, they are in fact nonsensical in Greek, but they are, were not in, in Phoenician from which they were ostensibly taken. Um, for example, uh, Delta, the, the triangle letter, D, is, uh, is the Phoenician and Semitic uh, dialect. It's more or less the same sign, which means a doll. And uh, it was obviously chosen for the acrophonic principle, that is, uh, the word dalet begins with the sound D, so that's an easy uh, mnemotechnic device. Now, the, the Greeks who took over this system also uh, inherited this principle of, of, of uh, acrophony, so that they, they had a beginning, uh, so that the name began with the, the relevant sound, only uh, dalet doesn't mean anything in Greek. So they, they adapted as best they could, and it ended with something like delta, which again is meaningless in Greek, but uh, is apparently borrowed from the Phoenician um, progenitor, if you will. So there's, uh, there's, 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 uh, there are many signs that the Phoenicians are at least some, um, some uh, northeastern uh, Semitic peoples were uh, those who, who transmitted their, their writing system to the Greeks. What century is it believed or known that the Greek alphabet came into existence? Well, this again is, is a difficult question. Um, and uh, some of the, the, the problem is uh, to a large extent that, that we have so very few uh, of the very earliest inscriptions and that also that, that many, many inscriptions, of course, would have been lost because they were written on perishable materials such as leather, wood, what have you, which obviously would not have survived for, um, for, for uh, since antiquity. But those who do possess on, on, uh, on clay and terracotta and then rock and stone and whatnot, um, of those there are not that many either. But the earliest uh, Greek inscriptions that we can find seem to be dating from uh, between 800 to 750 before Christ. That's the, uh, that's the, the, the earliest beginnings, it seems. 850 BC? So 800 to 750 BC. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. And um, it is really a, uh, a very uh, slight beginning, if you will. The, not only are the, the earliest inscriptions few and far between, they're also, uh, perhaps naturally, rather primitive in nature for the most part. Um, some of them are so garbled or, or rudimentary that we cannot determine what they try to say, if anything. Some are obviously alphabet memorization attempts where people have, have uh, tried to, to uh, jot down the alphabet um, in order to, to to help themselves learn it really. And sometimes with greater success than, than others. Um, we also have, this is also, um, those that we can decipher are to a large extent uh, ownership markings. 
for example, on, on a cup or a jug or what have you, someone has uh, inscribed uh, his name on it to, to, uh, to send it to Marcus' ownership. And we also find, um, as, as in, in, in the same uh, broader category as this, we also find um, um, dedications on votive objects for temples for the gods, really. So that's, that's frequently in the same category because it's important for the giver that the gods know who uh, gave the gift. And so uh, it's, they are also inscribed with the, with the giver's name frequently, either the deities or the givers or, or both. But, but, but names, uh, markings of ownership and, and the simple joy of, of being able to, to express one's own name seem to be uh, very, very prevalent among the earliest inscriptions. I asked this question in our pre-chat. You and I, you and I chatted. Um, I think it was yesterday, or, the, or or a couple, few days ago, two or three days ago, as a as a brief uh, pre-chat pre to this conversation. I asked you a question about linear B. I want to ask it because I think it's uh, important to get into this episode. So, how does linear B uh, relate to this conversation? Well, the, the, the short answer is that it, it doesn't really. Um, the strange thing, the fact of the matter is that the Greeks um, invented writing twice over because uh, while we can see that, that Linear B flourished in Mycenaean culture, in Mycenaean uh, palace culture in the 13th century before Christ, um, this, this uh, society, this, this network was, was uh, struck by some more or less unknown cataclysm. Uh, it met with a violent end. We don't really know what happened, but um, many of these uh, cast palaces, uh, power centers were burned down, and there are, there are archaeological signs of, of war and violence in some uh, form or shape. Um, and with it, uh, this also meant the demise of, of the linear B writing system. And apparently, it was a, a thorough extermination because it seems that the that any, any knowledge, any remembrance of, of ever being able to, to write down things was completely lost for centuries until uh, again around 800 that we suddenly have, uh, we begin to get again inscriptions, but this time with the, with the new alphabet, which was taken over and modified from the Phoenicians. So that, that means that from around 1200 BC to 800 BC, there's a gap of, of uh, 400 years, which are uh, um, which are entirely without writing, it seems. Or if not, it's, it's, it's certainly very uh, strange that, that absolutely no writing from them had been found. Yes. So, um, <clears throat> you're, you're, you're saying then the linear B evidence shows, you're saying evidence shows linear B stopped being used at, at some point, and then the, yes. the alphabet that began being used in Greece in around the 9th century BCE is yes. not is not related to linear B in any way. Uh, no, no, they, they are not. Um, the linear B system was what we call syllabary um, in that the, the individual signs uh, expressed the syllable, uh, bar, b, bo, what have you, and was uh, was, was written by, by pictorial signs, which are vastly different from, from the new system. Um, and uh, it, it, just, it just didn't develop beyond this, this phase. 
and and uh, well, it may be true that that uh, absence of evidence is not evidence for absence, but it is a striking fact that that uh, with the palace cultures, any sign of writing in Vienna B completely disappears. So yes, I, I feel confident in, in saying that, that the art of writing Vienna B writing system was was uh, completely lost without the the proper. Um, structure to, to support it uh, and without proper structural underpinning it, it uh, fell out of use and, and was uh, and was not apparently not needed anymore this is also uh, understandable in, in, in light of the fact that that as far as we know the near b was used mainly for uh, for uh, for keeping score of what of what was in stocks uh, of, of um, of what had to be done, of distribution lists, and, 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 and all, all manner of administrative purpose, and, and, and nothing beyond that. So, if the uh, if the society that, that had these administrative needs collapsed, well, it is perhaps uh, less of a surprise that the writing system collapsed with it, as it were. Is your notion that between the 12th century and the 9th century? Or when this new uh, this new alphabet comes into existence in Greece, in that period of time, do you have the notion that there was no literacy in Greece? Well, yes, that's the uh, that's that's generally accepted. Yes, there do seem to be a few doubtful cases from from these centuries, and some some objects with some mysterious writing on them, which which maybe. Uh, which may be degenerate uh, rudiments of, of what one's known, but, but may equally well just be um, be dimly remembered uh, shapes. Uh, perhaps perhaps not the notion of writing was was remembered, but not but not how it was done or, or how it was communicated. So it was perhaps an, an empty ritual. And still, uh, such objects are two or three, perhaps as there's almost nothing. So it, it would seem that. Where in Greece is its first attestation in the period that we're speaking about? So the starting with, as you said, the the eight hundreds, the ninth century. Right. Um, the funny thing is that it's 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 fairly quickly uh, quite widespread geographically, and it seems to be by and large connected with uh, the trade uh, routes and trade network of the island of Euboea in, in Greece, which uh, at the time was, was quite powerful and, and did a lot of trade. This uh, in turn means that, that many of these inscriptions are found not in, in, in uh, mainland Greece, but in the more uh, in farther reaches of, of the Greek world, which means, for example, in, in islands in the Bay of Naples uh, in Italy, where there were quite a few European colonies. That's a, that's a hotspot for finding uh, early inscriptions uh, in, in this Euboean uh, alphabet. So, so here, and, and, and also a uh, few locations in the Levant, such as uh, Elmina on the coast of Syria, as it is today, and uh, a few other uh, such locations. But um, it, it was not, you cannot point at it as a certain place on the map in Greece and say it happened here. It, it seems to have been uh, where Eubeans or, or people connected with the Euboean trade empire um, where, where they, where they uh, went. 
You mentioned inscriptions. Can you expand on what's known about in the early years, perhaps call it the first couple centuries? Right. Um, what the, can you expand on what they wrote on? Yes, certainly. Um, well, they, they may have written on anything. What we can be sure of is, is the fact that, that anything written on, on any sort of perishable material has well, perished. Um, anything written on cloth or wood or leather or any other thing you find uh, has, of course, vanished. And that, that may, for all we know, that may be a lot. Uh, there's no way to be sure. But um, what we do have preserved, of course, is that on uh, imperishable materials, this includes um, ceramics, clay, uh, whether fired or not, and uh, rocks and stones. Uh, in, in some cases, we have graffiti uh, um, inscribed into the, the, the rock face uh, on an island, and, and also on, on um, bone in a, in a few cases, things like that. We also have a little bit later on, we find that, that uh, People actually write on lead, the, the, the nestled lead, um, for, for some, some, some very early letters. But at this point, we're talking centuries later than this. People apparently write letters on, on, on lead um, for some reason. Uh, but whatever else they, they wrote on, we, we, we simply cannot be sure of. Do scholars have an, a name for this early version of writing? Um, no, it is generally just referred to as, as the, the alphabet, the Greek alphabet. The thing, of, uh, the thing is that, that the Greek alphabet is, is not a, a uniform thing. Uh, very quickly after its emergence, it becomes apparent that there are a lot of what, what is usually called epichoric alphabets. That's uh, just a fancy word to say that they are, they are, uh, they are locally different. Each Greek city-state seems to develop its own variant, so that you can uh, you can actually determine um, where an object originated in by by the, the variant of the alphabet used. So, um, for some reason or other, uh, whoever whoever um, developed this um, had it, dis uh, it, it, it disseminated from there into a, a variety of places, which and then underwent. Um, some developments which which uh, took it in, in different directions. So, but they all, they're all nevertheless all referred to as, as the Greek alphabet. And in, in fact, apart from from some uh, some strange variations in letter shapes and, and the like, they are uh, structurally and, and systematically very very similar. Did the alphabet affect oral communication in this period of time that we're speaking about? Did it did it affect it in some way? Did it change it? Did it evolve it? Now, this again is a very good question. Um, the, the, the one answer is that it did so in the long run, of course, uh, as, as literacy continued to, to gain a stronger foothold in, in the Greek world, and then people began to, to rely more and incorporate more in the daily life. Um, it, it most certainly did, but uh, it does seem that, that um, it does seem that it would take some time for this pre-literate society, this, or if you will, this newly literate society, to, to uh, internalize the use uh, of, of, of writing and reading, and of, of, of truly grasping what the meaning is actually capable of. 
Um, for instance, the, the, the oral tradition, which I, I spoke of earlier, uh, continues undiminished for, for, for centuries. And uh, it is fair to say that the culture, culture the ancient culture as such, in both Greece and Rome, in fact, is uh, to a large extent a very oral culture. Um, much politics, uh, in fact, was based on, on your uh, ability to deliver a speech convincingly, uh, much like uh, like any in Athens. Certainly, any uh, trial uh, had to be to be carried out uh, already. You were not. It was not. It was, you were not allowed to use a manuscript. You had to to uh, plead your own case before the magistrates, before the uh, jury. And then you had to do so without the manuscript. Um, so in, in, in a lot of ways, uh, this remains a, a steadfastly oral culture in, into which the literacy makes more and more inroads, uh, it should be admitted. But when we when we come down to the sixth century, we begin to find uh, law texts appearing um, here and there. Some of the earliest on, on Crete, in fact, where I think the earliest one is in the city of Dreros, where um, we find uh, some rudiments or some, some bits of, of a law corpus, um, which has been in, uh, inscribed into, into, city, into walls in the city, um, often in, in very large and very, very high inscriptions, several meters and then curving around corners and whatnot. And this, this points to the, at this point, there is a, a there's an increasing understanding that that one advantage of literacy of the written word is that it has permanence in the way that the, the, the spoken word just does not. So that um, when you write down the law, it is there immutable for all to see, and you can come you can consult it at any time by um, by checking it out or by reading it in, in the public sphere. And so you're not any more dependent on people who. Uh, who you trust to remember the, the, the oral law fairly and, and, and fully and so on. So um, from, from at, at this point, the law texts begin to, to proliferate and then appear in more and more cities. And also in the 6th century, we begin to find that many city-states uh, city -states begin uh, issuing coins with legends on them so that uh, identifying the, the, the city-state in question so again, there's some perceived value that you can you can you can identify where it came from. It, it's a useful uh, piece of propaganda of, of mass communication, um, and also an easy way to to uh, to validate uh, a given uh, coin. So um, in that sense, yes, certainly there's there's, there's evidence that that uh, literacy does begin to affect the, the oral culture. But um, I would be hesitant to say that it does so to a large extent um, any sooner, any earlier than this. I want to clarify a point based on uh, treatment you provided earlier around the origins of the um, of the alphabet. So is it is it believed or known if it, the Greek alphabet in the period of time we're speaking about is it ident was it identical to a Phoenician alphabet or were there some modifications made to it? Um, there certainly were modifications because um, the Phoenician alphabet we, we've we've called it an alphabet throughout, uh, but but 
technically is not a full alphabet in that it does not have any vowel signs. Um, the definitions like other Semitic languages may do with uh, denoting the consonant sounds only. This has to do with the, uh, with the way that, that Semitic languages are structured. Um, the, the important things are, are the consonantal roots, roots which, which uh, may be altered by, by changing the vowel uh, qualities in, in them. And so uh, apparently it, it, it poses no particular problem in, in the majority of Semitic languages to simply write with, with consonants. You can, you can supply the needed uh, vowels as you go along. Whereas Greek is, is not a Semitic language, it's structured in a fundamentally different way. So um, it's, you can do it, of course, but it's simply not a very efficient way of, of writing down Greek if you, cannot, uh, if you cannot denote the vowel sounds. So what the Greeks uh, early on do um, is, is modify the system that they have received, which is, um, I believe, 21 or 22 data uh, signs, which are all uh, actually consonants. And because, as will be the case with any two languages, there is a certain overlap with, with sounds that both languages uh, use and have a, have a need for, there's also bound to be a, a, a number of sounds that, that the other language does not use. And so is the case here. There are, um, for example, a rather large number of sibilants of, of uh, um, S sounds in, uh, in, in, in Phoenician. And Greek only has the one uh, S, or perhaps the, uh, the Z, the, the voiced S, uh, some Z. So um, they have quite a few signs that, that they do not use. And at some point, someone had the, uh, the rather brilliant idea of, of pressing these superfluous signs into service as denoting vowels instead. And um, this is really what uh, marks the invention of, of the alphabet as we know it. As a, a system which uh, is able to reproduce in, in writing all the uh, the, the uh, phonemes of, of the language in question, all the little the littlest uh, smallest bits of sounds that were both consonantal and, and, and both consonantal and vowels. So so yes, um, there's certainly a, a modification taking place. Okay. What's known about how it was promulgated in the early years? Well, almost nothing uh, owing to, to, again, some of the things we've discussed. We recently had no contemporary sources uh, telling us how this took place. But um, I think it's, it's, uh, it stands to reason that, that, um, that merchants, traders, uh, must have played a, a, a crucial role in this, that they they, uh, they were the ones who were in contact, primarily the ones who were in contact with Phoenicians all over the place and who also traveled extensively themselves and uh, will have encountered other traders, both Phoenician and Greeks, and, and uh, very likely other nationalities as well, wherever they came. So I should think it possible, likely even, that, uh, that, that uh, traders, merchants uh, promulgated uh, distributed the, the, the alphabet wherever they came and, and some people whom they uh, accosted will have uh, will have seen the use of this some may not but I, I, I think it's, it's a it's a good it's a good theory at least a good explanation model that uh, traders or merchants uh, sought to it to to, uh, to to spread this uh, novel idea throughout the, the Greek world wherever they came
what's its first attestation for material that's uh, reasonably comprehensive as literature? As literature, um, again, uh, the definition of literature is, is, is difficult, really. And this is a, this is a somewhat hotly debated topic because uh, because we, we do have the, uh, the problem of the Homeric poems, the Iliad and the Odyssey above all, which are um, obviously, uh, on one hand, products of uh, oral composition of, of, um, of a long tradition of, of being um, handed down and, and, and reshaped and remodeled continually uh, by, by uh, oral bards who uh, molded the material and suited it to the uh, the immediate audience. Um, at the same time, it has been argued that these poems are simply um, too complex, too, uh, too well composed, not to betray some degree of literacy, which um, may or may not be the case. I, I don't think it's, it's a, uh, I don't think it is a totally convincing argument because uh, research into these matters has shown that oral poems can can um, can handle this surprisingly complex material without ever resorting to, to, to writing or, or, or any sort of primitive debate of that, that sort. Um, but it depends on whether you believe that the Homeric poems were written down at a very early time uh, or, or they, uh, they did not, as it were, uh, ossify in, in writing until a rather uh, later point, uh, some, some centuries later, perhaps even. Um, but uh, some of the uh, earliest recognizable literature or, uh, well, there are among, it should be said in fairness, that among these very early texts, there are some that uh, in fact are in, uh, in verse. So they, they are, uh, there, there is a, a fair bit of, well, not a fair bit, there's a bit of poetry among these metrical texts, uh, chiefly in, in hexameter verse, which have been found inscribed in, in, in cups and, and uh, uh, things of that sort. So if, if, uh, if you accept that, um, we do have um, an, an, a jug found in, in Essica. Um, it's, it's a wine jug from around 725 BC. And it has a, uh, an inscription that, that clearly uh, begins as uh, some sort of poetry, it says something like, uh, whoever now uh, dances most lovely, and then the inscription sort of um, trails off in, into nonsense seemingly, um, and whatever it is, it's certainly not a metric anymore. But, but the, the, first, uh, the first six words are, are clearly legible and, and seem to be, um, they, they scan well enough as, as a, a complete dactylic hexameter just like the verses in, in the Iliad and the Odyssey, or what have you. So, um, if you accept such a humble beginning as, as literature, then certainly we, we do have some some uh, poetry, at least, we should have called, from as early as 725. Interesting. How does it, I don't want to go there yet, um, in the first couple centuries, what's known about the percentage of the population that would have been literate? Um, absolutely nothing, I'm afraid. Uh, we simply cannot tell. Um, what we can say cautiously is 
that there is no social economic structure in place in Greek society um, on the pattern of, of what we see in in the uh, in the uh, in the Middle East and, and perhaps in China, Egypt, and things like that, where you have a a professional cast of, of scribes. That's that's typical of the thing. I mean, writing is is uh, it's a toy for anyone. But there's no restrictions on it, and you, your your access to it is is, is completely free. So anyone uh, anyone can have it, if you will. Um, the thing is, of course, that, that many people will not have had the uh, will not have had the means, the time, and the money to, to sit down and and, and uh, uh, waste their time on something like this. So it's it's a it's a reasonable enough assumption that it was a plaything for. For people with time and money to do certain things to begin with, apart of course from from traders and other uh, craftsmen, perhaps who may have seen some sort of practical use for it. But other than that, it's 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 virtually impossible to say anything about the percentage who was able to to read or write. But I I feel um, fairly confident in saying that there must have been an absolute minority who could at this this early stage. How does the alphabet? Does the alphabet influence other societies, their their language? So perhaps uh, their their literacy. Does it influence other other societies at a later period? And uh, and and are there there are there two or three that uh, if so are there two or three that you can mention? Uh, you you think here of you're thinking of non-Greek societies? Yes. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, in the uh, on the Italian peninsula, um, we find the Etruscans, for example, who were very much uh, smitten with all things Greek. Um, they they were very much influenced by by Greek culture. One thing they they seemed to to uh, to shake along with all that was uh, was the alphabet, which they in, in turn took over and, and adapted. Uh, to their own purposes and, and to their own uh, sound inventory, if you will, and um, in turn, it seems that um, that Rome, the, the emerging uh, city of Rome, will have uh, molded its own um, its own alphabet on that of the Etruscans, um, so that that certainly the Greek alphabet um, it's the uh, it's the progenitor. Of, of more or less all alphabetic writing systems in, in use today, more or less, I say, at least in in, in, uh, in the Western world, in, in Europe and, and, and the like, the the Cyrillic alphabet uh, used in in, uh, in Eastern Europe and in Russia and the like is also derived uh, more or less directly from Greek via uh, missionaries who um, who went to to uh, to Russia and and, uh, and then christened the the, the pagans there. And who devised the writing system for them, um, based, of course, on the, on, the, uh, on their own contemporary version of, of Greek, and again modified so that the many sibilants present in, in, uh, in Slavic languages could be represented. But um, the, the similarities between, let's say, Cyrillic and Greek, Cyrillic and Greek alphabets uh, are, are quite obvious. Really. The modern Greek alphabet. Yes. If is it is it different in some way than this nascent period that we're speaking about? And this is a closing 
uh, question, Adam. Depending on your response, I might have a follow-up, um, but we're working our way to, uh, to winding up the episode. So the modern Greek alphabet, is it different in some way or ways to the nascent um, period that we're speaking about? And if so, how? Although it is slightly different, if only for the fact that um, the, the very first, very earliest manifestations of this nascent alphabet um, does contain, uh, for obvious reasons, all the, the uh, received signs of the Phoenician uh, progenitor. Um, but, but over time, these uh, get discarded or, or modified into, uh, into vowel signs, um, which, again, as we said, spread out into to slightly different epichoric local forms of, of the alphabet. But these, again, um, over time, uh, have a tendency to die out. And uh, one, one uh, very major uh, event in this, in this uh, development is uh, the Ionic alphabet, which is uh, officially uh, adopted by the city of Athens in, I think, 403 uh, BC, um, replacing the old Attic alphabet in use until then. And this, uh, by degrees, perhaps because of, of uh, Athens' uh, crushing cultural hegemony, um, becomes uh, all dominant, all powerful. But from about that point, 403, and until now, there's a more or less a direct line in which the alphabet has not changed one bit. Suffice it to say that um, the uh, lowercase letters are uh, cursed letters which are developed in the Middle Ages, but they are really just cursed versions of the, uh, of the uh, uppercase letters, which are uh, entirely the same now as they were in, in 403 BC. And Doric, Adam, how does, does Doric relate to this conversation? Um, yes, it does. Doric is, is, uh, is, a, is, is an alphabet, West Greek alphabet type. This is one that is slightly different from the, the Eastern Greek versions. Um, for example, what we call the supplemental letters, which are phi, chi, and psi, which are the three last letters before uh, omega, um, are assigned different values in, in Doric. Um, but, but the design inventory is, 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 is the same. So the, the differences are, are minimal, really. Uh, the Ionic alphabet also uh, has some additional vowels, uh, long E and long O, the omega again, which, uh, which the, the Doric lacks. But, but these are trifling differences, really. But, but the, the, the one that crystallizes as the, the Greek alphabet, which uh, by degrees, um, supplants all other alphabets is, is the Ionic one from, from 403. It, it also ends up usurping uh, whatever um, whatever the, the Doric alphabet had before that. So um, so by the, the Hellenistic period, the, uh, the all, all dominant Greek alphabet is, is the Ionic one, and it has remained so ever since. Okay, I was going to ask for you to confirm the, the if the modern alphabet is a derivation of the period that we're speaking about and um and it sounds like it is it is you you can you can uh, i mean there, there are certain smaller changes and then developments but it's it's on a minor scale and you can without breaking a sweat you can draw a line from the present the modern alphabet all the way back to the uh, to the, the, the 
the earliest ones. It's really quite unique in everything. Okay. It's been a pleasure speaking with you again, Adam. Thanks for coming on the show and sharing your knowledge. Thank you again for having me. It's, it's been really fun. So again, everybody, the book that I mentioned at the start of the episode that Dr. Schwartz wrote, he's author of Reinstating the Hoplite, Arms, Armor, and Phalanx Fighting in Archaic and Classical Greece. I'll drop a link to it in the show notes on the IthacaBound.com's associated subpage to this episode. Adam and everybody listening, as always, wishing you a marvelous journey. Bye for now. Hey again, if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast and I wish you a bountiful rest of your day. Bye for now.